welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host, Dr. Shadi Manasheri, and today's episode is all about 24-hour retirement with Connor Bryan, who is a paralegal at Carterbon Solicitors. I think as dentists, we often focus on clinical learning and clinical dentistry as we should, because it is obviously very important, but there's also non-clinical aspects to our profession that we should all aim to learn about and just be knowledgeable about some aspects of it. Obviously, we can't know the details of everything, but it's good to have some basic understanding of things like retirement rules, pensions, things like that. This episode is very kindly brought to you by Carterbond Solicitors and I really hope you enjoy it and without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Connor, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm all good. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very excited to get into this topic because it's one of the many things I know very little about, so I'm excited to learn about this. But before we get into that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got here, please? Yeah, so my name's Colin anyway, and I'm a senior paralegal in Carterbond Solicitors. Um, I'm the head of the retirement department, so I deal with dentists, 24-hour retirements, mainly NHS dentists, and that's my speciality. Um, I've been advising dentists and corporate bodies for over six years now. Um, I'm, I've sort of took a different route into the legal world. So I, I joined um, as an apprentice at the bottom of the ladder, basically making the cups of tea and working my way up. So I started as a clean slate. I had no no bad habits, no legal knowledge. I was fully, fully wet behind the ears. And then now I've decided to do my legal qualification to become a solicitor. So... Um, I'm currently ASILEX certified by way of the Law, Law Academy in Liverpool, um, and I'm going to be a solicitor in, in the coming years anyway, yeah. Oh, wow, that's exciting. So you really got to experience the field that you were getting into. Did you know growing up this is what you wanted to do, or was it just something that you took at the one day as it came? To be fair, I didn't really know if I wanted to get into law, if you know what I mean. So I, I, I was more into like reselling shoes and stuff, like <laughs> that Instagram page to sell shoes and stuff. So that was me. That was me my first goal but uh, no, I ended up leaving that anyway and I'm focusing on law but um, yeah really enjoying it so far and um, I've, I've progressed quite away from from the bottom in in, in the time that I've been doing it so uh, yeah just 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 plodding along and, and advising dentists on the daily. <laughs> and how have you found it working with dentists because I know this is something that I didn't know about solicitors before I started to work with them in different capacities was that you have to, it's such a niche area that just because you're a solicitor, it doesn't mean you can give legal advice on all sorts of different things. It's very niche on what uh, solicitors do. And what was it that draw you to work with dentists and how have you found it working with us? Because we're not like any other professionals. We have a lot of, we have a lot of flaws. We have a lot of personality traits that I think we have in common. How have you found it working with dentists? Yeah, I love it, me, to be honest. I'm, I'm sort of a people person anyway, so I, I just love all the different personality types. And um, mo- most of my clients, I'm still good friends with. Like, I'm going out with one of them in August, taking me and my family, and that's at the zoo. So mm-hmm. that's what sort of relationship I have with it, the, the clients that I deal with anyway. But the, these are all lovely, to be honest. You've got a few few bad eggs, haven't you? But <laughs> 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 these are all <laughs> These are all good mainly, but um, yeah, so on the day-to-day, I usually deal with retirements mainly and all things NHS. So when there's NHS contracts involved, that's what I deal right. with. And I deal with transactional work as well. So the uh, sales and purchases of practices um, and just, yeah, just just everything in between. To be fair, what, what, whatever dental is going on here, I'm, I'm sort of involved in it. <laughs> 
So you do a whole range of stuff. It's not just the dentists nearing their retirement that you work with. So that that's exciting to know, because I feel like if you're just used to seeing dentists who are near the end of their career, you might have a skewed opinion about the profession. Whereas if you work with them all along their career, then you probably get a good mix of, of experiences. Yeah, yeah. So I, I deal with like dispute resolution as well. So when there's disputes between principals and the associates, uh, when when practice owners want to incorporate the practice, so when they want to transfer everything from their sole name into the name of the limited company, uh, you know, for obviously tax reasons. So I deal with that as well. Deal with CQC applications, which are obviously a nightmare, aren't they? As, as you probably know, and CQC inspections, <laughs> X, Y, and Z. But yeah, just, just everything in between, to be honest. Like I say, I started from the bottom, so I've took experience from all different specialists in the field, if that makes sense. So I've sort of built my own, my own skill set and, and then focused in on retirements as, as my sort of bread and butter, if that makes sense. And is that what you plan to do when you become a solicitor as well? Yeah, just just a bit of everything here and there, but yeah, mainly mainly a specialise in retirement, and it, it is such a niche uh, subject. There's not that many people in the game who do it, uh, so it's 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 really good, it's really interesting, and it's it's nice to be someone who who is one of the only people who does it. If that makes sense, it's like pride in that, like which is which is really good. Well, I'm very grateful you're here because you can tell me all about retirement, and a retirement yeah. is a. I guess it's a very exciting concept for us because, you know, as soon as I think you qualify, you're looking forward to your retirement in a way. And everyone talks about, I think, in this day and age, it's not necessarily that you retire when you get to the age of retirement. It might be that you've worked so hard in your career that you get the opportunity to retire early. Um, And we're going to talk about all of the different things that comes with retirement. But what is a 24 hour retirement? Right. So a 24 hour retirement, anyway, it only applies to NHS dentists who have an NHS contract. So it applies to doctors as well, but obviously for this context, we're just going to talk about dentists. So you've, you've got to have a GDS or a PDS contract. Now, a GDS contract is a general dental services contract. A PDS contract is a personal dental services contract, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, these are obviously contracts between the provider and NHS England. And NHS England will pay them a certain amount of money each month and installments over a year uh, on the pretense that the dentist performs X, Y, and Z, it's treatments for the NHS patients. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, if you want to cash out your benefits, you have to sort of give up that contract for 24 hours. Now, most dentists don't want to give it up because obviously they want to have the benefits of being able to sell it or transfer it further down the line. You're not actually allowed to sell a GDS contract, but we have some fancy footwork the way we can get it sold and you can benefit from from the sale and transfer of it. But basically... If they want to access the pension benefits, the, the the end of the story is you've got to come off the contract, but they want to keep that. So a 24-hour retirement is to bring another dentist onto the contract to protect it for the time that you're off it. So you've got something to go back to work to. Does that make sense? It does, yes. So yeah, you give it up all... basically for 24 hours, bring somebody else so you don't con- your contract doesn't go suddenly missing. And, yeah, and that's yeah. the process for you to be <laughs> yeah. able to retire. Yeah. Yeah, because when, when you submit the form, it's called an AWA form, when you submit that to the pensions team to tell them that you want to retire, they talk to the area team who governs the contract and say, this dentist wants to retire, uh, they're coming off the contract, and then the area team thinks, oh, we'll we'll put that contract back up for tendering so someone else can have it. But that's obviously not what the dentist wants. They want to, they want to come back to work and keep it uh, so they, just, just so they can continue earning the income off it and then obviously eventually sell. So it's sort of... Um, Sort of having one foot in the door of retirement, but not actually not actually taking it just yet. Does that make sense? 
It does. So I assume this sounds like it's only for those who hold a contract rather than an associate dentist. So it would be more of a principal dentist who's able to do this. Yeah, yeah. So it's just for principals. If you're an associate, you can just go right ahead and say if you're AWA form, it wouldn't wouldn't make any difference to your circumstances. But yeah, for for, for the practice owners who, who actually have contracts, they, they will want to benefit from the sale. So, so some practice owners will reach the lifetime allowance. Uh, and what happens is when they come close to that, they'll pay an additional tax on top of the income tax so to like negate that what we'll do is we'll retire them early and get the benefits because obviously the lump sum is tax-free if that okay. makes sense yeah. yeah i keep saying i keep saying if that makes sense i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm just no don't it. worry it's good to check because I, I it's very complex stuff that is very very different to what we usually learn about when you know we're so focused on clinical dentistry that this kind of stuff we don't know that much about and we should know about it because it's so so important because you know you work so hard during your career to be able to you know enjoy your retirement I think everyone wants to do that any profession you're doing you want to work hard during your professional lifetime to be able to retire and enjoy the benefits of your hard work so I think we need to learn about it and we need to know about it so thank you for checking because some of it is is struggling to make sense but it is as you explain it it's, um, it's so it's because there's so many moving parts to it yeah. it's like it's trying to find the starting points and then to try and explain so obviously you've got a contract you want to be able to sell the contract after yes. you've uh, like and, and you want to be able to sell a contract later on down the line, but you don't want to give that up. And the only way you can do it is by creating either a temporary partnership with another trusted dentist or an indefinite partnership with, let's say, your son who's a dentist or or your brother, if that makes sense. So it's 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 just basically creating this this 24-hour partnership to protect the contract so you've got something to go back to. So is there, is there a minimum age that you have to be? Because, I mean, we know it, it's called retirement, but you mentioned a limit, that there is a limit to where, you know, if you reach that limit in terms of your income, it makes financial sense for tax uh, benefits for you to be able to retire and do the 24-hour retirement. So is there a minimum age or is it to do with the amount of income that you have? No, so so there is a minimum age. Uh, there's, there's three different types of pension schemes. So there's the 1995 scheme, the 2008 scheme, the 2015 scheme. And basically, uh, you can retire from the 1995 scheme. Some of them can retire at 50, but the age across the board is 55. So when you reach that age, you can you can take your 24-hour retirement then, but there's obviously a penalty. So there's, there's a penalty that you pay because, mm -hmm. because there's a longer period of time you're going to be getting paid your pension. Mm -hmm. Your pension's obviously reduced and your lump sum is reduced. So so you have to be either you have to be either 50 on the 1995 scheme or 55 across the board if you want to take early retirement but like i discussed um you, you will pay a penalty on on your pension benefits for retiring early because the normal pensionable age is obviously 65 so if you wait till then you won't pay any penalty but if you if you go any earlier than that then there's, there's a slight deduction in how much you'll receive I guess by the time it gets to our retirement, it's going to be the age of retirement is probably going to be 95. Yeah, it's like 75 now, isn't it? And so it's no good for us. Like it's not, not looking good. We have to invest in other assets. <laughs> so I've been out of the NHS game for a few years now. So this is all, to be honest, I didn't really understand it when I was in the NHS either. So it doesn't make that much of a difference. Yeah. But are there different, you mentioned different NHS contracts. So does, does this process differ depending on the type of contract you have? Yeah, so it definitely does. Uh, obviously, like we've discussed, there's GDS contracts and PDS contracts. And a GDS contract you can have either in your sole name, so you could just have that contract yourself. 
you could have it in partnership with someone else so you and another trusted dentist or you could have that contract in the name of your limited company now each process is different depending on what sort of contract you have so if you have it in your sole name we'll have to find a dentist to bring on to the contract and create a partnership with you if you're already in partnership it's sort of fine you can just come off and come back on because you already trust that person and they're going to look after the contract for you while we do it uh, so we usually do the process over a weekend so there's no no patient disruption mm-hmm. um, and then if it's in the name of the limited company obviously the nhs local area team will have to sort of vet the incoming partner to make sure they're fine because you'd have to bring them onto the company the actual company itself does that make sense you'd have to bring mm-hmm. them on as a director uh, to, to, form, yeah. to, to form the partnership that way uh, so yeah it just depends really and then if you've got a pds contract you, you, there's there's no there's no sort of way of making a partnership you've got to add the person as an authorized signatory it's called uh, so it's it's quite complex each each situation is um very very niche that makes sense i th- I thought with um nhs contracts it was better to stay as a sole provider um rather than limited company is that still the the correct the preferred way because i i from what i remember again my knowledge isn't isn't very good in this area but from what i remember um everyone kept telling me that it's better to remain a sole um, provider for nhs because it's beneficial in terms of the pension rather than if you're a limited company so in terms in terms of this it, it just completely just depends on what what sort of practitioner you're on and it's your own personal circumstances there's no there's no best way to do it Fine. everyone everyone can like there's benefits to both if you know what i mean if you have a limited company you're getting the tax benefits if you're a sole provider like you say you get the the pension changes so it, it really does just depend Fine. on okay. the person and what and what you prefer if you know what i mean yeah. So this new the new partner that you bring onto the contract, they have to be a dentist. Yeah, so they've got to be a, a GDC registered dentist. And what the NHS local area team will do is they will vet the partner and make sure they're suitable to join the contract for the 24-hour period. Uh, but yeah, it's like I say, it's, it, it seems like a quick process, but it, it takes around three to four months to set up. Oh, wow. um, not just to get to get everything in place because there's there's quite a bit of paperwork involved that needs to be completed because we've we've obviously got to protect this sole asset mm-hmm. for the dentist. Do you know what I mean? We need to have all the belts and braces in place to make sure that the contract isn't terminated because, like we touched on before, as soon as that AWA goes in, the pensions team will say to the NHS, "This contract's up for termination now." So unless we oh. step in straight, unless we step in straight away with all the correct paperwork and have everything there in order, then your contract is as good as gone. So say that you're doing this 24-hour retirement process, you find a trusted dentist who's GDC registered and you bring them onto the contract to do this process. Do you find that a lot of people will keep that partnership after this process has been completed or do they usually dissolve it straight away? So the majority of dentists will dissolve the partnership because they want the contract to just go back to the way it was and for them to keep earning the income on the contract. But we do find that some contractors want to keep the partnership in place uh, for, for further protection belts and braces in the future. So one of the reasons that they would keep the partnership in place is in the event of death, the contract is then held by someone who is trusted and then the family members would be able to do what they wish with the contract and they'd have time to sell it or transfer it to someone else. Because if the practitioner died and there was no one on the contract, 
then again, the contract would be looking to go back to the LAT, the NHS local area team, and they would be looking to retender that. And obviously, the, the family would see no no benefits at all from that. If you know what I mean, they'd want to yeah. they want they want to sell the contract. Um, and, and get some benefit from their loved one, obviously performing that contract for years at a time. So, um, yeah, so it, it, that that's one of the reasons we see them keeping the partnership in place, and it's to protect the contract in the event of death. Uh, but in in that case, we'd have to draft up a, a formal partnership agreement, obviously displaying the share split because both partners would be liable for the contract's uh, performance, its clawback, um, and, and obviously getting paid for for the work of said contract. Yeah. Um, forgive me if this is a stupid question, but the majority of NHS contracts, are they for an individual provider or do you see a lot of partnerships? Because I've personally not seen many partnerships in my time. I mean, it might just be that I don't know enough NHS providers, but I think the majority of the contracts are held by an individual and then they have associates rather than a partnership. Do you find that that's the case or am I just not exposed to enough people? That's sort of a mixed bag, to be honest. To, to okay. create a partnership, uh, we've, the, there's certain steps that have got to be done, and, and obviously you need to. Sometimes you need to get like a legal representative involved because it is quite a complex, complex process. So if there is a partnership in place, nine times out of ten, they've instructed someone like me or another specialist dental firm to create that partnership because it's not as simple as just bringing someone onto the contract. Like I said before, you need to have a formal partnership agreement in place because. You, every partner on the contract is liable for its okay. performance, its clawback, um, just a, a, the targets on your back if you're on the contract. So you need to make sure everything's in place, proper agreements in place, uh, because you, you'd be getting paid for that as well. That the, the funds for the contract would be split between all partners. So it wouldn't be as simple as bringing someone on the contract because it has to go into one bank account, the fees yes. that are paid by the yeah. NHS. So that needs to sort of be divvied out. Between the partners, so when nine times out of ten, when you do see a partnership, it's because someone else has has been in them and set it up for them that way and made sure it was all watertight. All right. Okay, that makes sense. So we've spoken about the process of this twenty-four hour retirement. So it's when you bring on a another dentist onto the contract because you need to let go of the contract for twenty-four hours for the process to be completed, and by bringing on a partner, you can ensure that that contract isn't lost in the system and isn't taken away from you. And then, in the majority of cases, you will have that partnership dissolved after this process has been completed. So I know it's misleading. A twenty-four hour um, retirement is probably um, you know clickbait, and it sounds like <laughs> something to sound appealing but actually i can imagine it takes much longer than that so how long does this process actually take to do so it depends really if it's a if you're a sole provider and you're bringing on a person for it for the short amount of time and removing them on the monday then that can take three to four months to set up because if you, if you wanted to continue in partnership we'd have to obviously get the cqc involved and we'd have to register that partnership with the cqc mm -hmm. so if it's just the simple add and remove method or if you're already in partnership then it takes three to four months to do because we don't have to go messing around around with the CQC. Uh, but if you want to continue in partnership and read, we'd have to register that with the CQC to make sure they're aware of it as well. Uh, and that that takes four to six months. So if you want to do the simple method, three to four, and if you want to do the CQC, that's four to six. Uh, but usually, most of the time, I will find dentists will just want to do the quick method because they just want to access the pension benefits and get the lump sum. And I think we did touch on this before. I don't, I don't know if, actually, if I actually have one into detail, but the reason that they do this is just to get that lump sum and obviously kick the pension payments in uh, without terminating the contract. And that's the whole, the whole top and bottom of the process. 
Mm -hmm. And you mentioned going into detail more because I want to make sure I fully understand it. You were saying you mentioned something about doing the 24 hour retirement for tax benefits, depending on the income of the contract. And you have to reach a certain point in order for this to make sense financially. Can you explain a little bit more about what that involves? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to trip myself up here because I'm not really an accountant or a financial advisor, <laughs> but as I understand it from my contacts, uh, there's, there's such a thing called a lifetime allowance. And if you reach the lifetime allowance, then you, you can see that from far away, if that makes sense. Apparently, it's it, it's it, you know when you're going to hit your lifetime allowance. So taking early retirement would stop you uh, hitting that. And then obviously incurring another tax liability because you get you get taxed on income tax and then if you exceed your lifetime allowance, which is just a little bit over a million pounds, um, then you would get another charge on top of that. So we find that dentists get advised to take an early retirement and in this case take a 24-hour retirement if you've got a contract to avoid hitting the lifetime allowance and therefore incurring the extra tax charge. But don't hold me to that because, uh, like I say, I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor. <laughs> But uh, that, that is, as I understand it anyway, yeah. I guess that's a really good position to be in. So it means that you've worked really, really hard in your lifetime and you've earned as much money as you're allowed to make. And yeah. then you can retire. <laughs> yeah, basically. But like we touched on earlier, if, if you do retire early, so if you if you hit 55 and then you decide to take 24-hour retirement, or if you're an associate and you do decide to take your benefits, then you obviously incur a charge because the, the benefits are then split over a longer period of time. The lump sum that you'd receive would be reduced. Um, obviously, the pension payments would, would be reduced as well to accommodate the extra years that you're going to be getting paid, then monthly installments. And does that mean that if you take 24-hour retirement that you can you stop working, or is there a way to continue working as well? Oh no! So you go, yeah, you go back to work after the process. Okay. So that's that's the that was the whole top and bottom of it. Yeah, you retire for twenty four hours and you come back on the contract and continue work as normal. But you wouldn't be you wouldn't be paying any more pensionable contributions. You'd just be working, earning the money for the contract while getting paid your pension. Fine. Okay, that makes that makes sense now. <laughs> pen, pension is one of those things I know nothing about, and I know we spoke about this before we started recording. Do we have to have pension? Well, I. Uh, <laughs> we can't no comments on that one there legal <laughs> for legal reasons <laughs> yeah uh, we, okay pension, pensions are essential aren't they let's be honest uh but yeah considering it's my bread and butter i probably should have a pension but uh, <laughs> yeah. my mom keeps you... telling me uh, having a pension is a legal requirement and i'm not sure if that's is that the... okay beyond the scope of this this podcast i suppose but it's i think the nhs NHS pension is quite straightforward. And, you know, when you're an associate working in um, in NHS practice, your pension is very easy. And everyone says that, you know, it's one of the one of the best pensions that are out there. So I personally didn't opt out when I was working for the NHS. But after I came out of the NHS, I find that it's really, really difficult to find the right pension scheme and, and do all of that. So I guess it's a it's a really, really beneficial system. And it's one of the benefits of working in the NHS, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So it is. Obviously, like you've said, it's it's it is a really good pension scheme to be in. Um, and there's there's a couple of different schemes that you can be in, but uh, for for the purposes of what of what I do, I, I don't really get involved in the actual um, the, the financial side of things. Like my my capacity is is to protect 
the contracts that they've got someone something to come back to 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 continue earning that income after their retirement's completed. As as for associates, they can just save the AWA form straight away and, and get paid the, the pension benefits because there's nothing on the line for them to lose. Whereas obviously some of these contracts are hundreds of thousands of pounds, so they wouldn't want to just cash out lose it yeah a, yeah a little bit of a pension to to have not and, and not benefits at all from having that contract and performing its services for years absolutely connor i think you'll make an excellent solicitor your answers are very politically correct <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much really well done. <laughs> so is there a lot of paperwork involved because it sounds like a complicated process even though it sounds misleading with 20, 24 hour retirement is there a lot of paperwork involved yeah, there is quite a bit of paperwork involved, actually, because obviously the NHS have to perform all the checks on the income and partner. They have to make sure that everything's in place. There's obviously certain notices that have got to be served, formal notices to to notify the LAT that you want to make this partnership. So under the contract that they've got, there's different clauses and we'd, we, we draft formal documents uh, to say under this clause, we want to make this contractual change on this date and we'd have to serve them to the NHS local area team. Now, because we do it over the weekend, what we usually do is we create the partnership on the Friday. We remove the income, we remove the actual dentist who owns the contract on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. On the Sunday, we'd add them back on. And then therefore that was the 24 hour assignments. That was the time that they were off the contract and then added back on. And then on the Monday, we'd usually remove the dentist that was brought on the Friday. So we've got to draft four consecutive notices, one after each other to come into place and then that would release uh, different variations from the um, NHS local area team. They draft formal documents and say, on this date, this variation is going to happen to the contract and four of them would be drafted. Uh, and that would document each change, like the on, off, on, off, until the retirement is completed. And like we touched on earlier, a formal partnership agreement must be in place because while the income partner is on the contract, they are also responsible. They're responsible for its performance. They're responsible for all the payments uh, that are received from the NHS local area team. They're responsible for any underperformance. So it's, mm. it is it is quite a risk. Um, considering the contracts on the line and all the moving parts, it is quite quite a risky process. So it's, it's advisable to have a trusted professional who knows what they're doing mm. uh, when embarking on this process, whether it's me, whether it's someone else. You, you need to have someone in your corner because, like I say, your contract's on the line. And if that gets terminated, then God help you. <laughs> yeah, because that's your bread and butter, and especially now with NHS contracts being so difficult to get hold of. I guess if you've had a contract, it's like gold dust, isn't it? And you want to do everything you can to be able to keep your contract and still be able to take advantage of the retirement process until you come yeah. back on it. So I guess 100%. you have all of these all of these documents ready, and then you just submit to them as and when you need to, right? So there's those four contra- uh, four um, documents that you have ready and then you submit them. Does that mean you work over the weekend? No, no, it doesn't mean I work <laughs> over the weekend. So I, I, we'll do everything in advance. We'll make sure all, all Fine, our ducks okay. are in order first. Uh, so the contract is fully, we, we, we've got every single measure in place before any sort of change happens to the contract. So there's no, we, we make sure there's no risk uh, I, know I've, I know I've said it was a risky process, but when we do it for you, we make sure that there's absolutely minim, minimal risk for your contract getting terminated. Uh, so yeah, about, about a couple of months out, we'll have everything in place. The contract variations will be released. Um, and, and basically, the dentist just sits back and relaxes and we, we do everything for them. Um, and enjoys we, their retirement. 
<laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. But most of them go back to work, so they're not really they're not really retiring. Um, there did used to be a rule as well. So following a twenty four hour retirement, you, you was only allowed to work sixteen hours a week for the first month. But but due to COVID, and um, they, they suspended that rule, and we're we're yet to hear if that comes back into to place or, or even if it really will uh, because the, the NHS is really backed up at the minute isn't it so they just want all yeah. all hands on deck um, yeah. and all the appointments getting tended to yeah just a question on the incoming partner yeah. is there any benefit for them for coming onto the contract I'm sorry to say it but there really isn't yeah. <laughs> there really isn't a benefit to them it's just that they're lending uh a helping hand to, to to a friend or someone that they trust. It, it, it'd be a different story if the partnership was to continue. If we were to register it with the CQC um, and you you were to remain in partnership following the retirement, then obviously they would they would share the the benefits of the income from the contract if if, if that was what the, they so wished to do. Um, but yeah, there's not really any sort of benefit to the income partner. You just you just helping a friend out. Do you think this is a good process if, for example, say uh, a dentist is actually nearing retirement, so they're at their retirement age, they want to sell their contract eventually, um, they reach their lifetime allowance, they've got an associate in the practice that they really, really trust and might want to transfer the contract over to them and sell the practice to them. Is it a possibility to have that partnership in place and then continue it going and then slowly that the, the, the principal dentist will then completely retire and come out of the contract and sell the contract to them completely? Do you see that happening or? Yeah, yeah. So usually... Uh, what what would happen anyway when you sell a dental practice is you would you would sort of do this process you would create a partnership in the same way that we create this but w- without removing anyone following completion so to sell a practice if you've got an nhs contract it's it, it's completely forbidden to transfer an nhs contract and sell it but we do it, it, it the nhs know it gets done um, so what you do is you create a partnership with the person who wants to buy said practice and then following completion of the sale then you would remove the the principal dentist so like like you've just said there so you this is the way you'd transfer a contract you'd create a partnership you'd add them to the contract and then following completion of the sale you'd remove the seller from the contract or the principal dentist like you've just said Um, and that's that's the way uh, the the legal world gets away around transferring the contract fine so see i'm learning a lot already i don't i know more than i thought i do (laughs) But like like I was saying before, it's just finding the place to start because there's so many moving parts. There it's is, like yeah. trying, to, trying to figure out where, where to put everything. <laughs> there's so much. There needs to be almost a foundation process to complete before actually learning about the said topic. Yeah, so, 100%. so I guess once this process is done, the dentist then isn't contributing to their pension. And they what happens to the dentist afterwards? So say this partnership is dissolved, they carry on with their contract, they carry on working. As we've discussed, there's no limit to how much they can work at the moment. Um, it's just that they're not contributing to their pension. What, what What is different for them after they do this process for the dentist? Well, obviously, they've got a lot of money. <laughs> they're getting the payments from the pension. And they're driving a different car. <laughs> yeah, they just received the lump sum payments. Um, so they're, they're happy with that. And then they just they just go back to work as normal. But what, what I usually find is once they've completed this process, they're already one foot in the door to retirement. So they've tasted having more money. Um, they just it, it, it just it just sets them up to sell. So what usually what happens with my clients is uh, they'll do a 24-hour retirement and then within a couple of months to like, do you know what, Connor, can we can we sell a practice? Who, who do you recommend? What what agent do you want to go to? It's uh, so, so basically find a buyer for the practice if they, if they haven't already got one. So when when they do the process, they're usually there or thereabouts ready to sell up anyway. 
Interesting. Okay, so they continue working. They're still responsible for the contract as before. The only difference is that they're not contributing to their pension and they might be on their way to actual retirement as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So like like I say, the, the, I'm usually seeing these at the end when, when they come to the end of the career. And then I do a lot of sale transactional work following this because mm. I'll follow on from my clients and and, and and we'll go from there. But yeah, at, at the point of doing a 24-hour retirement, they're the wanting to shut up shop anyway. Most of them I'm fine. It's something for all of us to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when we start paying to our pension, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Connor. I know this is a very, very complicated topic, but you've explained it very well. And I genuinely think I understand it. And if you can get me to understand this kind of stuff, then you've done something well. So thank you so much for explaining that so well. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, and yeah, if any, anyone has any questions or if anyone's interested in a 24-hour retirement, then you know where I am at Carterbond Solicitors and I'd be more than happy to help. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things. I know I certainly did. And as always, don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucheri. I always love hearing your responses. And if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.